everybody, and welcome to Lit Book Reviews. It's been a while since we've uh, done an episode. We're now doing it once a month since I'm doing Quirks of Creation with Elise. My name is Jess Holmes, and joining me today are Abby Libby and PJ Williams from Conspiracy Pills. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to be here. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Abby's like, you are blessed to be in my presence. I mean, Pass. this is this is what it's like Pass. working with her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it every week, PJ. I, <laughs> I am so excited about the book that we're talking about tonight because it's one of my favorite book series. It's like it's so good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when I told you that this was one of my favorite book series. I was like, Jess isn't going to like this. But then I found out you are a fan of, of this and other I, Larry Kree Right. Stuff. I couldn't believe like another human being on planet Earth also <laughs> read these books because I got the first copy of Monster Hunter at like one of those library sales, you know, when they're trying to dump out all of the old books that no one checks out anymore and got it for like a dollar. Um, I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then I was hooked on the rest of them. Yeah, outside of, so last year I went to this uh, book convention called BasedCon. And outside of that, I don't know a ton of people who are like that familiar with Larry Korea, but there he was kind of like, everybody's like, we wish we could get Larry Korea to show up to this <laughs> event. It's kind of like a, a non-woke uh, writer's convention, which was really fun. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And yeah, we had to bully Ivy into reading it. because Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was bullied. This is, a, this is a tale of bullying. Blink twice if you're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but you liked the book, right? Uh, Of of all of us here, I liked it the least. I mean, I did, I did like it, and I think that I need to read the rest of them. And I think that I probably went in with too high expectations. You guys probably went in with pretty low expectations. Given that you bought fair. it at a library sale, and I went in with both of you saying, "This is the best book ever," and I'm like, "Okay, it's it's, it's okay. not the best book ever. Right. It is a fantastic series, though." Yeah, yeah, I, I believe you. It, it is a really good series. So, uh, hopefully, everyone who's here tonight got a chance to read Monster Hunter International by Larry Kuria. And even if you didn't, um, remember we always start out the show with out spoilers, and then. We'll take the spoiler section over to Rumble and Odyssey only. Friendly reminder, audio or audio listeners still get most of the show. Um, so just to read the summary off the back of the book, if you had never heard of this book and you're kind of curious about it, here's a little taste. Five days after Owen Zastava Pitt pushed his insufferable boss out of a 14th story window, he woke up in the hospital with a scarred face, an unbelievable memory, and a job offer. Turns out that monsters are real. All the things from myth, legend, and B-movies are out there waiting in the shadows. (laughs) Officially secret, some of them are evil, and some are just hungry. On the other side are people who kill monsters for a living. Monster Hunter International is the premier eradication company in the business. And now Owen is one of their newest recruits. Business is good. Welcome to Monster Hunter International. So despite Abby's, you know, negative opinion, this, this book is a million times better than it has any right being. That's the best part about this. Yes. (laughs) I found, I found Larry Korea by listening to a free book on audible called uh, Tom stranger, interdimensional sale, interdimensional insurance salesman, (laughs) which is the dumbest title for one of the funniest 
books I've it. ever, I love it. I love it. And it's so, I, I was like low expectations. Cause I'm like, I know how a lot of these free books on audible are. They've got these ridiculous premises that catch your attention and they suck. Like they right. always suck. But I was like, I'm, I drive for a living. I'm tired. I need something ridiculous and stupid to stay awake sometimes. And I end up loving it. And even after that, I was like, but he's not going to write other stuff. Good. Like this was like silly and kind of like very comical. So I was even going into monster hunter going like, I'm probably not going to like this book. And I'd read that same thing, but I, I don't know. I, I loved it. Yeah. The back of the book makes it seem like a really campy movie. Okay. So part of my problem is not probably fair, but it's that I've read so many of the mortal instruments, Cassandra Clare books, Mm. which are the same type of premise of like, these are monster hunters they hunt all the monsters, all the myths are true. So I think probably you guys went in and you got something really fresh. And I was like, oh, this is just another monster hunter story. But it is a significantly better version of it, to be fair, than Cassandra Clare's super woke. So, right. Well, and yeah. I'll be fair to that because I've read Cassandra Clare's books. Um, and so when I got this one, I thought it was going to be like a cheap knockoff version of mm-hmm. that. And I thought this was way better. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. But I did. It didn't have that. Like, oh my gosh, shocking! I think that would have, like, oh my gosh, a werewolf. Because I, <laughs> right. I just read too much of it. I guess probably. Right. It has gotten really oversaturated in literature. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the monster stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read different books than you guys. So yeah. That's, that's probably yeah. true. <laughs> Well, we read YA, which is just soaked, like just soaked. And I, I don't monsters. <laughs> I well, don't. I mean, <laughs> I had the hardest time. Like we've, we've talked about red rising. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it more in the future. I didn't want to listen to that book either for a very long time because of the YA tag on it. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, it's going to be another one of those. And it, and it, it wasn't. So yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like my two favorite book series, I was very like resilient to for a long time. And I probably just went in with super low expectations and ended up loving them both a lot. So, so clearly yeah. we messed up. We should have told Abby it's the worst book ever. Don't yeah. ever read it. Don't read it. And then she would have loved it. Probably. So guys, this is the worst book ever. Don't ever oh. read it. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. You don't enjoy book. it at all. It's a good book. And it's his first, right? It was. Yes. In the series. Yeah. And that's and, another thing. Like, it's very good for a, for a um, debut. It's funny because I didn't know it was his first book when I first read it. And I... Again, I went in with low expectations. I ended up liking it quite a bit more than I thought I would, and I continued reading. And as we prepped for this episode, I re-listened to it. And I going back and re-listening to it the first time, I was like, having read all, like, what, nine other books that I've read right. in the series, I was like, yes, this is good. It was mm-hmm. not, it was, it didn't blow my mind reading it the second time, but then I instantly mm-hmm. went into to Vendetta, as Jess did too, which is hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I finished yeah. the first one, I just went right into the second. Oh, yeah. And, it's, it's and like I finished popcorn. the second so fast again yeah. that I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it is solid, but I could see overhyping it because I think me and Jess have read the whole series. The whole so thing, we've seen yeah. where it goes. We've seen what, like right. how it improves. But I would say, yeah, the first book don't have the highest expectations, but I would say it's if if you like it at all, the series only gets better. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's his his worst book, but that's not because he's a bad writer. It's just it's it gets first. so good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny because at the time that he wrote this, wasn't he like an accountant for a for yes. firearms company? Which That's makes good. so much sense because he's basically writing his fantasies <laughs> yes. at work. He's like, I'm an accountant. What if I used all these cool guns around me and like killed monsters with them and then writes a book about it and it turns into this huge series? It's a self-insert monster. It very, very <laughs> much is. Yeah. It, yeah. 
men <laughs> men like their self insert monster stories. <laughs> nothing wrong uh, with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Women no. like worse things, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, just kind of the setup of the book we talked about on the back of the book. Owen mostly wants to be kind of this normal person, which is hilarious because as soon as he gets to be like this high-profile accountant, he immediately throws his boss out a window. Just the premise of that, I was like, wait, he's he's going to throw his boss out a window? Why? And then we find out why. Because his boss is a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. As far as like self-insert, like I want to be a badass in the apocalypse and kill all the monsters and things like that. This is unfortunately uh, an over. It, it is a it is a genre for for books that are generally geared towards men that I've never liked. And I think that was the other thing of going into this is I've read those ones yeah. where they're very like the person is really like a gun nut like Larry Korea is. And they really want to like write themselves into a story where they get to be the badass, but they're so flat. Like there's no yeah, character yeah. development. There's nothing uh, interesting. It doesn't seem like they have a plan other than like, I just want to live in my fantasy and those books read like that. So this, this is definitely that it's just that but written. Well, I think is what it is. Well, and it, like we said, it gets yeah. better. Yeah. Um, I, I will agree that the characters are flat. The romance is super flat <laughs> and it's yeah. probably the worst part of the book. We'll definitely get into the ro- what's happening yeah. with Abby right now. I don't know. <laughs> I know that was her biggest problem. I will say like yeah. that part for me, the when we'll talk, you know, I, with the spoilers, the right. romance part, uh, it was weird. It felt kind of ham fisted and I, I read it again and I'm like, I think I know why it is. I'm not making an excuse for it and we can talk about it later, but, mm-hmm. um, it was the weakest part of the book for sure. Yeah. It was the worst. It was. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. We'll definitely get into it when we get into spoilers. But I yeah. think it's just there's so much world building going on because he's clearly setting up this a very long running series. I mean, right. Yeah. We're nine books deep. Uh, and that's not including the memoirs or it isn't. Wait, wait, it's eight, I can't count. It's 11 books, it's, to- it's including 11, memoirs. So there's eight memoirs. main series books. Right. And then there's three memoirs books. And then this October, a new trilogy of right. memoirs comes out. And I think that one's supposed to be set in California in the 1970s. Right. So, I mean, like, this is his whole franchise, essentially. So hmm. having a book that really sets up the world was essential. <clears throat> and, I mean, to be fair, it, it's hard for authors to do both the good character building and world building at the same time. Some are really good at it. Some yeah. are not. I would say uh, he catches it way better in Grim Noir Chronicles, where you get a, f- a fair blend of both in the first book a lot more. And, mm-hmm. and as much as I love Monster Hunter because of it's a huge series, I think that one, as far as a, a trilogy, is probably his his best written series in some ways. Grim Noir. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> so there's lots to read of Larry Curry yes. out there. There's a lot. Um. But let's talk about Monster Hunter International more specifically. Um, One of the major themes we get right off the bat is this desire to be normal. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that at all. I think it's really interesting because so often, especially like when you're a teenager or young adult, which is the time I started reading these, um, I wanted to be normal too. I didn't want to be weird. I wanted to fit in. So I, I could kind of relate to that. But at the same time, it's clear that Owen has something really important to do. So it felt like Larry Korea was trying to write in this reluctant hero 
but he couldn't really be reluctant, you know? Yeah. I, I, maybe it's just me and maybe like this book hit me at the right time where I related to, to so much that idea came to me when I was kind of done, <laughs> done trying like yeah. m- most of my life, like really since I was a teenager, I've always been kind of doing the other thing, like whether it was mm. chasing down a music career or, you know, podcasting or trying to make my own business or whatever. I was just at this place where I just quit everything. I was just like, I'm just going to work a normal job as a truck driver and be a normal person and not do any of the stuff. Cause it's just, it was just that's where it hit me. And so I think reading that and seeing this person who's like spent their whole life, not being normal and then trying to be trying to fit into that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, it was like maybe just the perfect timing, but he's relatable at least to some. Oh yeah. That Loki line burden with glorious purpose. (laughs) He knows he knows he's got, but he wants to run from it. Yeah. To be, to be fair, I do like the way that he writes because the chosen one theme is super overdone and Larry right. Korea definitely does a really good job making it fresh. Yes. I totally agree with that because <laughs> I remember picking this up and I was like, oh, here we go. Another chosen one. Another chosen one. <laughs> Another chosen one. Uh, like I hadn't been inundated with Harry Potter my whole young adult life and every other <laughs> knockoff book like it. But it was so good and so fresh and so different. Um, but yeah, we'll get into more spoilers about that later. And it basically forced him to walk away from the whole idea of being normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, sorry. Never mind. I'll save it. I don't want to. Like, I'm not sure what yeah. spoilery stuff I want to say in the beginning. Should we talk about the, like the, just like the first few chapters type stuff first? Yeah, or? we can talk about okay. the first few chapters. Um, so basically. His boss what turned into a werewolf, tried to kill him. He he fights back. First of all, he takes a weapon to work. Mm, like love it. That? <laughs> As someone who also is not supposed to, but legally can, but company wise can't, and maybe does that. I related maybe, a little bit to that maybe too. Maybe somebody shouldn't say that online <laughs> where people can find it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, like, like I said, it's not illegal for me to carry. Oh, okay. Okay. It's just against company policy. <laughs> you guys know how dangerous my job is at times. Oh, though, I know. Right? So yeah, like, no. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize if, for it. I would be really mad if you weren't carrying. Everyone, so, yeah. like literally all my family asks me, like, you you carry, right? Like, you go to these places by yourself at three in the morning and these like, I'm like, yes, I almost got killed by a BLM riot last year. Of course I carry. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. My husband's also a truck driver, so. So yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> some things we don't say out loud. Right. Um, but yeah, he fights off this werewolf, throws him out the window, and is like basically wakes up in the hospital the next day, surrounded by feds. <laughs> <laughs> the feds in this book are fun. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why I think this book was perfect for me and Abby because I'm like, it's about shadowy okay. government agencies, <laughs> cryptids, return of the gods stuff. Like, it's everything we talk about on our show. <laughs> it seriously is. Like, going back and reading this and reading Vendetta, I was like, so much for conspiracy build. Right. <laughs> oh, good. Um, but yeah, I can you imagine just a wa- like waking up and being like oh yeah monsters are real like you guys have mentioned them on your show but like actually knowing for a fact like having seen a werewolf a vampire like whatever it is face to face like does that change something for you (laughs) or it'd be like affirmation for me (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm one, of those, I'm one of those people that actually thinks that a lot of these cryptids are real and, I'm, and it's not even a right. joke. So, well, th- I guess that's part of the, I keep saying problem. I did not hate this book. I did not dislike reading it. Um, but there's, I'm definitely not surprised anymore when there's a monster. I'm like, well, yeah, of yeah. course, like, cause monsters are real. <laughs> so, I don't think the surprise so, was part of it though. I mean, I think that's just right. the premise. Well, yeah. I will say this. You talked about how in the beginning he fights his boss, throws him out of a window. Did you think like this is actually what caught my attention in the beginning is that the action scenes are so well written. So I think this is good. and I've said yeah. this before. This is Larry Korea's absolute best thing about any of his books. He writes action scenes better than pretty much anybody. Like you could hate you could li- dislike him for other things, but his action scenes are fantastic. Yeah, I I really enjoy them. There's so many authors who really struggle with what to do for action scenes. They're like, and then they fought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best authors are are just terrible at writing action. Yeah. I, like, okay, for instance, my one of my other favorite authors, easily top favorite, is C.S. Lewis. I would not say he's fantastic at writing Fair. battle scenes. And it's the biggest downfall of the Narnia series. He's, yeah. he's so yeah. good, but he just... He doesn't write action scenes. That's okay. It's not his thing, but right. He's so yeah. much good at so much else. Right? Yes. Yeah. And he kind of skips through the battles. <laughs> a little too much. A little too much. That was the yeah. best thing about Prince Caspian is it actually gave us some action scenes. The movie. Yeah. Right. Prince Caspian, the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Larry Korea does an amazing job with that. And there's a lots of fighting throughout the book. And you mentioned firearms earlier. His he fire actually knows knowledge. what he's talking about. Oh my gosh. For a gun nut, it is annoying beyond belief that there are people who are like, yeah, I spent 26 hours researching what type of kelp would actually grow in this area, but I, I don't know how a revolver works. <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's really bothers me when there's these like big name action book writers mm. who literally don't know how firearm works. It's like, that should be part of your research at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're like Stephen gonna... King and they, they're, <sighs> he's the worst one of it by the way his his firearm stuff in his books yeah. is so wrong because he hates he hates, he hates guns but he's talking right. about them you know i don't know he needs them as a plot tool so yes. he will use them as a plot tool but that's it and so many writers are like that it's so frustrating yeah yeah the guns are like a character yeah absolutely i can do whatever i want with it it's just a character Abomination is my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, if you tell me there's a book that has great action scenes and the main character has a fully automatic 12 gauge with a grenade launcher, a magazine fed 12 gauge with a grenade launcher. I'm like, okay, I'm down. That's that's all you had to tell me. (laughs) And a bayonet. (laughs) And And a a silver bayonet. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. That's my favorite part of Abomination. Okay. Not the grenade launcher. Okay. No. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's as much as we can really give you without going into spoilers. Cause there's just so much in this book. I mean, it's like a 700 page book. How long is the <clears throat> audiobook? 24 hours ish. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty long. Yeah. That's not a short audiobook. No. Um, and the, and the follow-up books are generally shorter. They're about half mm-hmm. the length of the oh. original book. Um, but that's, I think you, cause you have gotten a lot of the world building out of right. the way. So uh, hopefully you guys will stick around. Audio listeners, remember you guys get the whole show. But if you are on YouTube, that means you guys got to go. We always say we don't work for woke companies who hate us and our values. So we won't. 
which is why we're going to take our show over to Rumble and Odyssey. Um, it, and our goal here at Hawkhound is to make sure that we aren't making little compromises to grow our podcast. So join us over on Rumble and Odyssey so we can speak more freely. Yay. And we're just going to like disappear at some random point. You won't know when we're gone. We'll just go to Rumble. That's yeah. the point. Come to Rumble. Facts. That's where the stuff's at. That's where the stuff's at. So let's get into those spoilers. All right. We should probably talk about characters who are not Owen. I mean, Owen is super cool, but there are a lot of characters in this book. Owen is a little cringe. I'm not going to lie. It's a little cringy. I don't know. I like Owen, but yeah, who's your favorite character? You had to pick one from the the first book. Holly. Holly. I like Holly. Yeah. Yeah. I like Holly a lot. Um, She is so interesting because she's like this former exotic dancer and she's just like a total spitfire. She, she will kick your ass good. and have no bones about it. She's um, great in a way that doesn't seem like the forced feminist right. stereotype though, because she right. actually has these soft spots and, and they show up more in, in the books where it's not actually a mask with her. Like she's not actually yeah. pretending to be tough. She is, she is but tough. she still yeah. has. And she's gone her, through some yeah. shit. Exactly. Yeah, I love Holly. She's great. Yeah, I like Holly and I like Earl. Earl. Earl's great. Earl is such a good character. Yes. I was actually quite pleased at the reveal with Earl. Yeah? Yeah. Good. I think that was the only... hmm? Sorry, go ahead. I think that was the only thing that surprised me in the entire book. That was what I wanted to ask because I feel like, especially in this first book, he... There's, there's definitely times where he projects a point and you know it's coming. Yeah. And with Earl, he gave enough hints to make you know something was there. Right. But I right. don't think it was overly like, this is definitely what it is and you know it early on. I So I've had such a hard time putting into words how I felt about this. And I think this is my, this is definitely me and not a problem with the book. But I kind of felt detached from it the whole time and not, um, nothing was... Nothing was surprising. Nothing was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Everything was like, okay, more monsters, more monsters. And I enjoyed each thing, but it wasn't like, wow, I'm in the middle of a, of an exciting story. But right. some of that's writing style, and I don't read a lot of action. So I think that I might not settle into it as well as a genre that I know. So it's a me it's a me, it's a me problem it, well it's definitely a you problem <laughs> <laughs> well and it could just be like a feature of it being the first world building sort of book yeah. because the character development i will say is so much better in the later books like owen gets to be way more interesting where he's kind of like one-dimensional in this book and i totally yeah. get Every- that everybody's actually kind of one dimensional in this yeah, book. That's and that's weird. the thing that I realized having read through the first and the second back to back again was like Grant Jefferson's very one dimensional. Uh, we were talking about this. He's like this. Yeah. He's a punching bag of the whole he literally story. Is. But even Grant Jefferson becomes a, an understandable character. Yeah. As it goes on Holly. Like, again, I just read the first and the second. So Holly's even way more. She's uh, so much better. Later. More of a round yeah. character in the yeah. second book is Solid. where you really see that. Um, I love Milo. He's probably the best, like, kind of flat character, but he's <laughs> one of my favorites. 
Um, Earl, That's just because he builds all the guns. Dude, Milo's just cool. Like, you can't yeah. not like Milo. I mean, if you're the guy whose faith is so strong that master vampires will disintegrate before you, I mean, that's pretty badass. He's also so much like a friend of mine that we we used to nickname MacGyver. When I was on the road, we would take him. He'd be our roadie. And uh, I remember one time he fixed our brake sensor with a paper clip and a straw. That's not a joke. He actually did that. Stop. <laughs> we're, I'm not joking. We were we were having problems with our brake sensor not working, and we had to pull over to this gas station. He tears things apart, grabs a straw and a paper clip, and fixed our brake sensor. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but like he's he, that's what we call. That's why we called him MacGyver. He just build things out of anything, and uh, Milo is kind of that character. So I like it. It's cool. I also like how all of these characters at MHI have a backstory. Like we know Owen's backstory is that his boss tried to kill him. Um, But everybody else has basically their first monster story. Like we talked about Trip. His first monster story was all he is a high school chemistry teacher and all his students turned into zombies. Right. Like. I related. To I was going to say, <laughs> did you relate to Trip more than like <laughs> literally Trip is a Southern Baptist chemistry teacher. Who likes fantasy novels. Who likes fantasy novels. You are essentially Trip, other than not being not a black, black Jamaican yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> basically. We're other basically than being not <laughs> you're, you're like You're like Trip if all of your physical characteristics were the opposite. Yep. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I liked Trip a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I felt so much for him when he met the elves. Because I can just imagine myself doing that. Like, monsters are... Can we talk about the elves? Abby Abby read through the elf part, called me, and she's like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about elves in there. I'm like, how did you miss (laughs) Ilron Delia and the trailer park elves? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. The I was trailer listening, park elves are great. I was in my defense, I was listening while playing a video game, and that was a bad decision because of how thick the world building was. I wasn't like clocked into the story enough to properly play a game while listening. And that is one of the hard parts about audiobook listening, I will Mm -hmm. say, because don't get me wrong, I love listening to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Like most of my book consumption now is through audiobooks. But there are some that are just like harder to mentally retain, if that makes sense, when you listen to them, especially when they're really thick and have a lot of world building like that. Yeah, and I know Abby says she doesn't like action books, and that's a ver- that's a fair criticism. I would say, like for me, this is definitely like I call this the best popcorn book because yes. I'm not I'm not saying it's full of like these super hidden depths or anything like that. But as far as being well written and just purely enjoyable, like I drive for a living, so if I don't have like I I can only take in so much learning and podcasts and college lecture type stuff, right? Before I'm like I just need something that is fun that will keep me entertained for a long time. And uh, these were these were that for me. I was just like, I just want something where I can shut off thinking too much and just be in an action scene. And the action scenes are like well written. Oliver Wyman, by the way, can we talk about how fantastic he is as a narrator? Is that? Or am I the only one that thinks that? No, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to my sister. uh, Well, at least does Quirks Creation. She, She, we were saying the same thing. Like Oliver Wyman does such a good job of doing all the different accents and all of the different, like his characters develop more after this. I noticed that was my other problem is like, there's some soft retcons, but only with the first book. Cause I think in the second, he figured out what the overarching story was. Right. 
And so like some of the characters' voices and things like that change in the second book because they're kind of different. I also noticed there's one character in the first book that's a man that's a woman later on. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> All right, you it's a very minor. Is that the, the audio book version? Yeah, so it's um Mayorga. Oh, okay. It's just it's just oh. it's just a person who's yeah, mentioned. Yeah. Like not you don't really get to oh. hear much about them at all. But it's just there's this team leader named Mayorga and it says mm-hmm. he a few times. And then when Mayorga's reintroduced in book six, it's it's a woman. So it's, it oh, wasn't I a big deal. But there's like that. those soft retcons between yeah. the f- what what else? I can't say <laughs> too much without spoiling things. Mm-hmm. Because like the second book really sets up what the overarching story is yeah. about. Okay. All right. And so I can't give too much away but like like I said you wouldn't notice these little retcons if you hadn't listened yeah. through them and then went back okay because right. they're kind of minor like Frank's sure. character develops more in the second book Frank's character gets so good yes oh my gosh did you like Frank's or hate Frank's Abby I don't remember Frank's he's the fed who basically oh the meathead Owen. fed that yeah, beats up Owen. I yeah. like that guy okay I yeah. do I like I liked all the feds like of, course, of course, of course, you would like the did. feds. I, I was like, I, I, I just want a book that's about Nemesis. Nemesis my, is about the MCB. Yeah. My favorite part was how every other scene, the government guys were like, "Let's nuke it. Let's let's nuke it right now." <laughs> you guys, stop setting up false flags, wanting to use nukes. Of course, Abby loves it. Of course. <laughs> Could I say? Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, another interesting character in the story is Julie and her family. Her family got some crazy shit. <laughs> yes, that continues to be revealed throughout all of the books. Yeah. Just um, for the, well, just the fact alone that like the head of MHI is a werewolf that they're all kind of hiding. <laughs> That was my favorite part. Yeah. It's so um, good. It's a good part. I didn't really like Julie. I I thought she was like a dude in a woman's body. It was kind of it was kind of trans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think because it's not like the way she's described, she's like tall and muscly, but it's not like she was more physically powerful than like any of the men. I think he does a pretty good job of mm. making the women seem like women who are just kind of like, I guess, really kind of tomboy. Well, right? even They're, with Julie, her specialty is sniping. She's right. not going to go in well, there and yeah. like take fists yeah. to the face like Owen, who like kills every monster by letting them beat up on him first. Right. <laughs> I don't mean physically. Right. Just- no, I know what you mean. She's kind of like a, uh, she's so perfect for Owen that she kind of becomes like all of the, like she's a little flat in the first book. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping she grows on me. I definitely, like, I definitely felt like none of her made sense to me as a feminine character. Holly did. Even though she's tough and badass. I think with Juliet comes in with her relationship with her parents. Mm. Yeah. Is where you see her more her realistically. Yeah, yeah, her tenderness okay. and things like that. Yeah. Because you, you also see her through Owen's eyes, and he's just like right. googly the whole time. And you're like, Stop. he's so he's such a simp, by the way. In the first one, <laughs> I gotta terrible. say, as much as let, let me put it this way, as much as you hate the romance, and I do too, 
<laughs> because it's it's kind of thrown together in this What's, one scene that's kind of cringe, super cringe. Let's not it's say it's kind of cringe. Super, super cringe. duper duper cringe. But after this, Owen's not a simp anymore because they're just together, and it's so much better. <laughs> like it actually makes the story better when he's not such a simp. I guess fair. That's that's fair. Yeah. Their relationship is better when it's not him like oogling over this girl that should be his boss. Those are the parts that felt the most like a self insert. It's yeah. like Larry Curia wrote his idea of the perfect woman and then simped made- over her for 24 hours. <laughs> simped <laughs> over her, used her boyfriend as a punching bag, and chose the worst possible yeah. moment to make a move on her. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, can we talk about it? Okay, I've got to get it off her chest. <laughs> First of all, adrenaline and love are not the same thing. <laughs> They're not. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I don't know who conflates. The, I guess men conflate the two since he wrote it like that. Well, okay. Fun fact: um, the the entirety of The Bachelor is is revolves around this this manipulation to try to get people to mistake it. It is something you can mistake um, in the short term. So you put people without their phones and without any outside input and all they can think about is this thing. And then you put like, you're like, jump off this building and now you're in love. See, <laughs> like, right. look, you did, but yeah, they, they have what a big, a big, crazy scene where her she finds out her mom's still a vampire like still alive as a vampire and then her mom kills her dad and, and her then, boyfriend is missing and then her boyfriend is missing and presumed dead and this is the, this is a good moment this is the moment I, you guys choose to get together. i gotta say this i'm not i'm not defending it because it's written awfully Don't. but <laughs> but but grief Uh-oh. and adrenaline will make people act stupidly so I could see someone clinging on to someone and it's not healthy and it's not good. No, and no. Owen recognized it. He's like, she's probably just into me now because she's so devastated by her folks being dead and her boyfriend being dead. Well, that's and the he thing. says it and he's like, but I don't care. <laughs> but I don't right. care. <laughs> so I'm not my point in saying that was it's not that it's unrealistic. It's just terrible for a story. Like you don't want your main love interest to, to come together in such an awful way, but it also is sometimes how life works. So I'm not saying it's good to write it, but I'm not, I'm also not saying it's like unrealistic. That that Here's what should have happen. happened. I'm going to rewrite it. Here's what should okay. have happened. They should have had a handholding moment during that, like grief right. adrenaline thing. There should have been like a tender something. Right. And then Grant should have been alive and she should have been like, Oh, I made a mistake. I am with Grant. I am so sorry. Right. And that should have been it for the first book. Right. right. And it, it would have been better. For Agreed. It, it, it should have taken yeah. him till the end of the second book, but I think he had to make it fit yeah. with the plot. And the plot at the end kind of had to have a true they love. Did it? Did it did. It did no, technically. It did. Technically. It, it so I'm not trying to make excuses for it, too. but. I think and again, have- I, I want to say this again. If he would have taken all the second book to get with her, which is how a normal plot would have mm, gone, like right. the handholding mm-hmm. moment, the, yeah. I don't know, maybe we are falling for each other, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. awkward and wrong. Then he would have simped for her the whole second book and it would have been less enjoyable. 
But we could have had a character arc about the simping, and we could have had an arc about, see, she didn't like you. I just want to go back to shooting monsters in the face. You know what I mean? just doesn't want any romance in his monster book. He just wants to shoot monsters. In the maybe that's there's why a way I, to fix it. Maybe that's why I liked the memoirs because there's no love story <laughs> at all. It's just a dude who who shoots <laughs> monsters and hacks them up with a katana. It's pretty great. But that's the thing about the the end requiring a true love. It's not yeah. believable that they're yeah. in love. So it's to me the what the whole story. It's very camp love. On. Yeah, it's, it's summer camp love. Yeah, it turns into real love. So yeah, <laughs> it's for nine-year-olds, and it's also just like your dad just died, and your boyfriend who. It was way liked. too quick. It was weird. And to be fair, they had been having problems, but it wasn't a big enough issue for it to their be problems, like, oh, he's gone. Their problems were Owen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their problems. <laughs> Their problems were Owen and that Grant is an asshat. So, but they don't. They also don't explain why she liked Grant, and that's another thing. I'm like, I need you to explain why this wonderful woman would make this choice if this is right. such a terrible choice. I think and I, you're right. They don't. I the only explanation I could give was the the kind of shitty half ass explanation they give for why she just so quickly jumps to Owen, which is like, we all die quickly in this job. We don't have time to to worry. It's a bad explanation. It's but such yeah. a bad excuse. But it yeah. really I don't have is. Time to get over. It makes my- Julie seem less though, and that's it the does. problem. It, does. Right? it makes yeah. her seem it like not the moral character that she is in the rest of the series. It yeah, it makes her seem really, honestly, really shitty. It does, and it it makes yeah. him seem shitty. It makes yeah. him seem so driven by his lust, honestly, because like, yes. what else do you have to base this on? Right. Um. At this point, because you haven't had good conversations you haven't had you know it's yeah for sure again like it's it's only made up for in the fact that once they move on they become a better couple but it's such a bad beginning to them it does make them both look lesser yeah but I'm over it (laughs) I'm glad you you got your rant out (laughs) you deserved that you deserved that yes thank you She did. So let's talk about monsters. Let's talk about okay, shooting monsters in the face. Really here for right? Yes. Um, so we mentioned werewolves already, but there are lots of vampires in this book. Uh, I love the way that he does vampires yes. because they're like the classic vampire. They actually drink human blood. They burn up in the sunlight. They have to be invited to enter a home. They don't sparkle in the sun and. The uh, best part is that yeah. this is the anti-Twilight. Yes. This, this is. series is literally anti-Twilight. Like the whole thing. Anti-Anne Rice. Anti- All of the stuff that me and Abby talk about a lot. Where it's like there's this weird thing with, you know, falling in love with monsters. And maybe they're good. And this, and this story is like there's no moral gray area. Like shoot the vampires in the face. Stake them in the heart. Chop their head off. Move on. You know? Right. I We need more books like this in our culture because Abby sent us this picture. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Let me, let me pull it okay, up wait, real quick. Can I, okay. can I preface wait. it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, preface it. We need to preface this. So, <laughs> I have a hobby. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's an interesting hobby, hobby. Yeah. Where 
there's a bookstore close enough to my work that if my work day's slow enough, I can take my lunch break and go to the bookstore and walk around. So I'll go and I'll get a coffee and I'll walk around the bookstore and I'll see what fresh hell the romance <laughs> section is dishing up. And when I say, uh, like, I don't go off into the corner into the shame bin to, like, search for something weird. No, I'm looking at, like, what's prominently displayed on the fun tables, which admittedly are marked extra spicy. But... That's fine. Um, and, or like <laughs> just displayed on the, on the shelf. So anyway, this is one of the things I found a couple days ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't get over this. It's so bad. PJ should read it. I'll read it for the audio listeners. This is a book by Jillian Graves and it's called Titan Gargoyle Daddy Dom Romance. And the sub tag <laughs> is Romancing His Stone. <laughs> Book one. <laughs> Book one. I hate it. I hate everything um, about this. This wasn't even the worst thing that was there, but no. it was definitely the funniest. So. <laughs> Didn't you find Gosh. one about a bug monster one time? Um, that was my last trip. <laughs> <laughs> my last trip, I found this series about like this spider daddy thing. Uh. Alien. Why is it always a monster and a human woman? Yeah. Eat Nephilim. the bugs. It's because no. of Nephilim. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've, we've talked yeah. about this on our show. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that is one of my favorite um, kind of side jokes that keeps showing up, not in just in this book, but in other Monster Hunter books where it's like, Anne Rice sucks. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. Stephanie Meyer sucks. Like these people are wrong. Stop trying to make these cringy, weird romances uh, that are just kind Stephanie of Stephanie Meyer doesn't deserve this, you guys. I think she does. And I, I saw Based Babe <laughs> over on Rumble said, still still a better love story than Twilight. Yes, Hun Monster Hunter International, as awful as it is for being no. a love story, no. is no. still a better no. love story no. than Twilight. No. Not at all. It is Damn not. It. Okay, well, okay. From a spiritual standpoint, any human-human romance is better than a human-demon romance. Like, right. Get that out of the way. Twilight's significantly <laughs> better of a love story. And just like character written. Like, if he had been a human and they... And everything yeah. had been written the same. What was the point of the book? It's just two two ki kids in high school in Washington. It, it's still better. <laughs> than, than, okay. Than <laughs> Bella barely exists, and he's a demon, but it's still better. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree. We can move on past the romance part and talk about the good parts. These okay. This, this book. Well, if you want to talk <laughs> about the good part, the vampires are really not good. I mean. Abby, you like Holly. You want to talk about Holly's backstory? No, because I don't no. remember enough. How much, how much of Holly's backstory do you actually get in the first book? We though? get to know that she was part in of a vampire, vampire pit. pit. Yeah. 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 You definitely get that, like, I like that she still had a feminine feel to her, even though she had a lot of, instead of being rough around the edges, she's, like, rough in the center, and she's got, like, softer edges, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the existence of the vampire pits are uh, really terrible. I remember reading that for the first time. I was like, uh, this might be too dark for me. <laughs> I think, I mean, again, it, it goes to, I don't know if it goes to an extreme, but it actually just goes into like, this is, these things are not human. Like he dehumanizes right. these things because they're not. So, and I think that that was, I don't know. I think it's necessary in the world we live in where we're always trying to make like normalize every terrible, awful thing. It's like, no, some things are just really bad 
and it's okay to just have like be the Chad yes meme and yeah. then shoot the monster in the face. So right. I kind of love it. I think you're right in that it truly is the anti Twilight. They make yeah. these vampires in Twilight seem all sparkly and cuddly and <laughs> soft and like whatever you want to say about them. But then the vampires in Monster Hunter are truly depraved and evil so much that they'll keep humans penned up like livestock. Um, or they, some of them actually turn into like demonic beings, depending on their level of vampireness. Like the the masters could actually turn into like these demonic-looking beings. They can hypnotize people and get into their minds. Like really dark and terrible stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I also just love the sheer number of monsters that comes up in this book and in other books where there's. Like every, every, like literally everything that's ever right. been written about in any uh, culture is yeah. true in these books, which is kind of neat. So, um, you said you said the elves earlier, but did we talk about the orcs? Because I love that okay, juxtaposition. Yeah. I like the yes. orcs. Yeah, they're like much more like elves. <laughs> uh, elves that like heavy metal. I loved that so much. Well, because- yeah, they have like all the warrior stuff yeah. of a Lord of the Rings elf without the beauty, but. The- <laughs> Okay. But with the orcness. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a lot of stories, orcs are twisted versions of elves. That's true. Yeah. I in mean, a lot of fantasy, and, they are. Uh, so in this, it's like they're yeah. kind of the heavy metal, ugly warrior version of the elves. And the elves have kind of let themselves go. Uh, <laughs> it even mentions that the European elves are still very European. We never see them in any of the books that I've Mm-mm. read so far. But uh, the the American elves, it's, it's definitely a... There's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of cultural commentary in the mm. Monster Hunter books, which I appreciate. Oh, yeah. And the, I think the elf thing is one of those cultural commentaries. Um, the cultural commentary gets go. so good. And then the- <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. So good. Um, that's just on my mind now because I'm. I, I know you haven't read the memoirs books, but those yeah. ones are definitely more in line with that because they're they're kind of historical fiction where they go back to the 80s and early 90s. And there's a lot more politics i would say in, in those mm-hmm. books i mean I literally to the point where like a lot of those books is him going in front of congress and like working you know like how he's working the the american system so that's it's really cool yeah i definitely need to check that out um but you know i bet a lot of these creatures wouldn't be so evil if they drink north arrow coffee instead of human blood um so maybe everybody should drink north arrow coffee instead that might have been the best transition to an <laughs> Thank ad. <you. laughs> um, so yeah, North Arrow Coffee is super delicious. It's five-star, microwavable, and pro-life. Donates 15% of all their proceeds to pro-life charities. It's single origin and roaster order. So treat yourself to some delicious coffee and definitely not human blood. And save some babies by using code Hawkhound to get 10% off your order. I know we have code Quirks10 now too. Uh, so use that if you yeah. want to support our new show, Quirks of Creations. I guess you guys have a code too or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. You've used ours probably. So you, I guess you could throw Jess a bone. Uh, nobody, nobody's used Abby 10. It's just not a thing that people Everybody do. Everybody has used Abby 10. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a thing people do, but yeah, oh, anyway. So. Jess, when, when Seth was on our show, I asked him what code he would use, and he said he would use Abby 10. So, ha! I mean, PJ, I think you lost. Yeah. He also thinks that the World Trade Center 7 went down without <laughs> being hit by a plane. So, uh, 
Well, it definitely wasn't a hologram, PJ. Let's not go there. I never said it was a hologram. I'm never going to live that down either. That's not how I remember it. (laughs) Yes, the building was a hologram. That's what I meant. (laughs) The building was a hologram. (laughs) It's all holograms. I think you guys are holograms. Like, uh, like, uh, what is it? Tupac. No, we all know your AI. (laughs) Yeah, your Seth AI was really good. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I programmed him to say he would use Abby 10. Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) Um, So other monsters include animated rocks or gargoyles. Those things were intense. And they don't include gargoyle daddy dom romances. Oh, thank God. They include beating gargoyles to death with a tire iron. That's that's <laughs> how I want my gargoyles written about. Facts. I have to agree with that. <laughs> I did. Appreci- how many of those books did you buy, by the way? Did you get past Romancing his Stone book one? Are you still working on that one? <laughs> <laughs> she just took a picture of it. That picture looks like it's sitting on your bookshelf at home. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> I'm going to see her in a couple of weeks, so I'll confirm. It, it's right next to exists. Bonded by Thorns, which uh, I thought you bought last. <laughs> why does he know the name? It's on the picture. It's on the picture. <laughs> Let me just prove it. Bonded by Thorns. I can read that. It's okay. Like two books over to the right of that picture <laughs> is the Spider Daddy one. So. <laughs> but I had seen that one already, so it was old news. But I guess the feature of all of that is that every time I go, there's something new, and there's not a single demonic creature from mythology that they aren't yeah. writing these. Not just love stories, but like very sexual love stories about really dark ones. Like that's just the subtitle of this one is. <laughs> I don't even. Want to we should talk I mean, about Monster fair, Hunter again. Yeah, instead okay. Of Gargoyle Daddy yep, Tom. Yep, let's do that. Let's talk about Eldritch Nightmares instead. That yes. sounds way better. Um, so the big. Uh, why is it taking us a whole hour to get to the big baddie of the whole book? I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's my fault. <laughs> I blame Abby for everything. Because if it was written by a woman, it would have something way worse to do with tentacles than... uh, than (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Why? (laughs) You broke her. You broke her PJ. I actually haven't seen an octopus one yet, and now I'm just... You're going to have to find one. There's no no eldritch horrors in the romance section? Okay. Romancing Cthulhu's stone or something like that? Not There is... I'm sure no! there is. <laughs> there's no there's a Cthulhu point and click adventure that I saw <laughs> while I was scrolling on YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> uh, I hate everything. Okay. So the bad guy in Monster Hunter International is Lord Machado. Uh, he was originally a Portuguese conquistador. And the only reason we know that is because there's a ghost living in Owen's head who shows him his memories. So that's cool. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I love the nonsensical idea of this like Jewish ghost living in <laughs> Owen's head. I don't know. Like the prophecy stuff is really interesting to me. And again, like this is why I suggested to Abby because there's a lot of things in here. Like we did a whole episode which was based on a premise in one of these books, or at least it was in my mind. Like it's how it got me thinking about this one conspiracy. But there's a lot of things in here that are, um, you know, the, the, a lot of the end stuff is like the return of the gods type stuff, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, 
prophecy related stuff. I don't know. I just, I like that aspect of it a lot. Leaping God stuff is all over literature. I like, okay. So as a literature major, I like to look at like these overarching themes of like what's in everything. What's one theme that just keeps coming back in the sleeping gods, return of the gods, chosen one, women sleeping with demonic creatures. These, these are things that are like really coming up over and over. Right. Cause they're all in revelation. Yeah, I mean, it's return of the days of Noah, like we talk about. And that's what's interesting is like, I like I I, I would prefer if those were the bad guys. It's it's just like what we're talking about, where there's people noticing the same things. I don't want to get too conspiracy. But there's people noticing the same things and they're writing about them in different ways. Right. And they're talking about them in different ways. So like we'll talk about the Nephilim and then people will say, well, maybe it's actually the Anunnaki and maybe they're good, actually. Uh, So people are noticing the same things. He's noticing the same stuff that Stephanie Myers is noticing but he's writing about it from the Different. opposite way. So yeah. like for me, right. I relate to it a lot for that. Plus I'm just a gun nut who loves heavy metal. So who doesn't like a character <laughs> who's into the same bands that I'm into? Like I, I literally bought a shotgun that it's as close as I can as a civilian get to Owen's gun because I love it. Uh, so <laughs> it's amazing. But anyway. um, the, the conquistadors, that's something that keeps coming up in story after story, mm-hmm. um, commenting on this whole thing with the conquistadors. And I think that it's, after after you hear something over and over enough times, you're like, hold on a second. What what are they not saying? And I think that Correa gets it right here where it's like the conquistadors came in and stopped right. this horrific sacrifice stuff to the gods that was going on. They, they weren't these evil Catholics who came in and killed everybody. They killed people <laughs> because what was happening was really deeply evil. Well, it's the same way we see in the Old Testament, God sends Israel to conquer all of the neighboring tribes, not Mm -hmm. because killing people is somehow morally good if God says you're supposed to do it. It's because they were doing something deeply evil and they were demonically evil too. demonically Mm -hmm. evil and they had to be stopped. Yeah, it goes beyond just the moral. It's like they're actually raising up and worshiping these these old gods and giving them power through their sacrifice. So I found that interesting. And, And in this, it doesn't really give the Catholics a pass as in they were like good, right. but it does show what they're up against. And I found right. that uh, yeah. very interesting. That's a good, that's a good point is that there's a lot of people who are not particularly great people, mm-hmm. but they know how to recognize who the enemy is right. and they're fighting it in whatever imperfect way that they can. And that's what the monster hunters themselves are. And that's one of my favorite parts about it is that they're very much like the people you'd meet in, in the military or whatever, where it's like, they're not perfect people. So a lot of, there's mm-hmm. people from all these different backgrounds. They've got their issues. They got their problems. They've got their addictions and they're this and they're that, but they're tr- at the end of the day, banding together, fight evil. And I think that's, what's really interesting about these books is as the characters become more round characters is that you see them in all of their, their flaws and things like that, but they're still coming together. Like even Earl, like the idea of Earl, uh, right. which is fleshed out a lot more later on. Like he's someone who has to fight against, evil in himself. Yeah. I mean, that's what he represents as someone who's, who's possessed with evil and has to fight it in himself to get to doing the good thing. Essentially. I love his arc so much because you can tell his past really bothers him. And yeah. it feels like so much of it is him just trying to make up for what he's done and just using this, the curse of werewolfism as a weapon against the evil that he's fighting. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't even excuse it either. It's not even saying yeah. like this is a good thing. Yeah. It's like it's recognizing that it's bad and it's bad in him. 
but right. he's going to use it. Yeah. I don't know. I love Earl's character. I do too. He's yeah. such, such a great character. And I mean, the same thing can be said for Owen. I mean, like we've referenced the fact he's the chosen one or whatever, and he's supposed to have this ability to use the artifact to open up a portal to let the old ones or these eldritch horrors come back in. Um, and he could choose to do that and get access to this unlimited power. And he has to fight against that natural tendency in order to do the right thing. Yeah. And even fight against the lesser good for the greater good at times where yeah. it's like, do I save the woman that I love? Do I save myself? Mm, right. Or do I do the right thing? And, and his choice in, in this book and in other books seems impossible. He's, he's put in these really impossible situations. Like Julie's literally stabbed in the neck. He knows he's going to be chew, he's going to be a chew toy for eldritch horrors for eternity. Right. Um, which is not an easy easy yeah. choice to make. But he does it because he knows it's better to save all of humanity than to let these monsters into our world. Right. And there's a lot of faith aspects in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a ton of faith aspects in it, uh, which I really appreciate because I feel like all of these other YA books that I've read and I've seen always discount the faith aspect. It's like, or it's just a plot point, but it's, it's not, a plot point. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, vampires used to be afraid of crosses, but they're not actually anymore. Whereas mm. it has more to do with the person's faith in a monster hunter. Like your faith actually has to be strong enough in order to use it as a weapon against evil. I do like how that's a thing in this universe, yeah. right? Is the religious symbol is powerless without the faith. Behind without it. the faith. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could throw a cross at a vampire all day, but if you don't have, Faith, you're not actually channeling any power right. towards evil, right. right? I think that's a, I think it's an interesting point that keeps coming up. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Additional complaint: How many times <laughs> are we gonna kill Julie in one book and then bring her back to life? Come okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair. The uh, whole Natchy <laughs> bottom sequence—it's like like a deus ex machina moment. It's like, oh, actually, yeah. I'm just going to go back five minutes and now everybody's alive. <laughs> there is some of that in these books, but I would say they don't, like, even though you're not going to see the main characters die off because they are overwhelmingly, like, fun, positive books. They're not meant to be, like, always super dark. There's still, yeah. there's still parts that, uh, you, you know, people will die or things will be tough. Like, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's Marvel in that way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Marvel's like no consequences ever where this is like, it understands that it's not trying to be a dark story, like overwhelmingly yeah. dark and hopeless as some, it's not nihilistic, but I, I would say that it's not overly Marvel where it's like every character dies and they're just fine. Like it happens right. obviously yeah. once in this, which is an important part of it. But I think that was it. it yeah. It's, it's a deus ex machina moment, but I think it was a plot point more than a plot point that hangs around for a while too yes yeah Yeah. there's consequences yeah i didn't have a problem with it as Mm -hmm. as a deus ex machina because he had to die in order to go right have get the power to reverse the time so like as a sequence of events it worked well it wasn't like the book ended that way either like i I can understand something that's like that in the middle it Uh bothers me when it's the end and it's like and then something showed up and everything was good. Like they don't really do that in this book or in other books. Like there is these long drawn out battles yeah. that they end on, which are full of hard, hard choices and hard things. It reminded me of breaking dawn where there's this, that whole battle sequence <laughs> and it's, it's all <laughs> happening in the mind. Oh 
oh uh, with God. the prophecy, I was. So I don't know like, that part. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, when Twilight really got up and just, <laughs> I was like, "What? What is happening right now?" Anyway, we could talk yeah. about Twilight another time. <laughs> Sometime I'm gonna make you guys read it or watch it and just like just. Watch I it I literally offered to read it for that episode where we talked about. It. You're like, you don't have to. And I was like, thank God. So no, you, you can't did say not. I didn't offer. You did not. I look. I did offer. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I think it was like, please don't. Please, I beg of you. I beg of you. Don't make me read it. But you could have made me and you didn't. So. She's not that cool. I would have done She's it for research. Yeah. <laughs> to so. be fair, I did read all of those books when I was a teenager because I was a teenager. I read them like halfway through college because I, I genuinely wanted to know what I missed. You can't say I won't do research. I, I watched She-Hulk for research. <laughs> I didn't even watch all of it. I was like, yeah, I'll watch you it. you cheated out on me. <laughs> I was like, we're going to cover this on a podcast. I actually have to watch She-Hulk. And I did. I got to the weddings. I went the <laughs> wedding episode and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I was done five minutes. I was done when she was twerking with uh Lil Kim or Megan whoever the hell it was. Stallion. Megan the Stallion. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> Machado. Yeah, so Dark Magic. Dark Magic. Uh his his twist was interesting because like you you get the sense, okay, Owen's the chosen one, but then what's Lord Machado's purpose? And he ultimately ends up being the sacrifice. Yeah, Machado does. Yeah, Machado does. I didn't understand his kindness at the end. Didn't make sense to me. Which one? Um, saving Julie's life. No, he Machado did, I, did not yeah, save Julie's it, life. It was the Guardian thrall, did. Yeah. Thrall did. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got confused. <laughs> there are lots of characters going on in this book, yeah. so that's totally yeah. fair. Um, yeah, because originally he was supposed to do... Thrall, thrall made sense because he lost thrall. his humanity because yeah. of his curse, not because of his evil. He was, well, okay. he was good. And he lost his humanity over 500 years because of mm. because of a curse. Right. So okay. when his curse was stripped away from him, him an act of kindness actually made mm. sense, I thought. Okay. Yeah, that's and fair. I wouldn't even say Thrall was necessarily... Or you're talking about Machado. No, I'm talking about Thrall. Machado okay. was evil through and through yes. before being cursed. Before being cursed, yeah. Thrall I was, was like, the good guy 500 yeah. years prior. And I wouldn't even call him like... No, I wouldn't. I don't think he ever evil. became a bad guy. He was just yeah. pr- trying to stop the end of the world right. through brutality. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like Machado hadn't tried this before. There were like lots of monster hunter souls trapped in that artifact. Mordecai Barica being one of them. Yeah. He was an interesting I character. I like Mordecai. <laughs> I did too. He was good. He was yeah. good. Um. So let's talk about the government secrecy aspect because I know you guys talk about that a lot on your show and I figured this would be an interesting topic. Of Should the government keep the secret of monsters away from the people? Right. That's what I want to know. Should they? Because the whole excuse from Myers is that there would be pandemonium, like people would lose their minds. And I... I in their world, they kind of made it seem like that would be true after the fi- they lost the five minutes. Like, people rioted, people lost their minds. Um, but then everything kind of settled out. People are very adaptable. So I think yeah. if they knew that there were monsters, there might be a yeah. moment where people would freak out. 
but then they would be adaptable and they would learn how to defend themselves. Yeah. Again, I, I hate doing this because I know we're talking about one book, but this this is a plot point that is re- that is fleshed out in the memoirs books really thoroughly. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I think you get in that like what's interesting is li- like this is uh, this book is very libertarian in its belief system. Yeah. And Owen Owen Zastava Pitt is a libertarian hero, just like just like uh Tom Stranger's a libertarian hero in, in Larry Korea's books. And then he co-wrote another one where you have a conser- kind of conservative, more uh, like just straight Republican kind of hero in the in the memoirs, and you get a different take on it. So like in this, the idea is purely libertarian from Owen, where it's like people should know like we shouldn't have these things, and it doesn't like the government's job isn't to protect us from X. Right. Um. So there's kind of a more nuanced take later on, but I, I don't want to spoil it too much. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like I could see both sides of it. I think that it's obvious though, that even if you think the government has a position to protect people, murdering innocent people is like where our government goes, right? Like they, it's what we talk about on our show all the time with the CIA. Like we just did MK Naomi. It's like, yes, the government should protect us from chemical warfare. Should they test chemical weapons on its own citizens to do so? Probably not a good idea. It's pretty evil shit. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that it, it kind of, gets into a lot of those ideas that even if it doesn't talk about MK ultra MK Naomi in name, mm-hmm. it has those ideas that we talk about a lot. Right. Yeah. That's one of the, I mean, one of the many reasons I like y'all shows because you're not afraid to talk about these dark things that people <gasps> have basically made taboo, uh, especially our government has made super taboo to talk about. And I appreciate Larry Korea's, perspective on this like talking about the thing that is super taboo and just giving us a reason to think about it and consider it and talk about it yeah it's definitely a lot of fun stuff to talk about even if it's just cryptids (laughs) um i want to go to the mental health aspect because the appleton asylum whole yeah uh, chapter and like that's a good sequence it was good right Mm -hmm. um I just thought the whole setup was really interesting that there, it makes sense that there would be people who would see these monsters and their brains just couldn't make it make sense. Mm. Um, And so they would develop these mental illnesses. And I, I wonder how much of that is true in reality, because I mean, we even talk, I mean, you guys mentioned on your show all the time that there's a huge possibility that these things exist. Demons definitely exist. So I wonder if, I just I like the idea of that. the spiritual world being so much bigger yeah. than our minds can comprehend. Yeah. And that's a, a lot of what it's going into. Right. And and this is right. reflected. If you're a Christian, this is reflected in the Bible with like Moses, not, or yeah, Moses, not even be able to see the face of God. He couldn't handle it or mm. ideas like right. you couldn't actually comprehend hell. I know that's somewhere in the Bible with this idea of like, it's beyond comprehension. Right. And I, I like that it delves into this and he does it in such an interesting way where it's like it could just be a cop out of like, I don't know how to explain this, so I won't. But mm-hmm. I feel like it becomes creepy unto itself. Like the, there's these things that they face that are just right beyond comprehension. I don't know. I don't think it was a cop out is my point. I feel like it was done mm-hmm. pretty well. Yeah, I liked I liked the sequence. I liked how he kind of self-examined as far as his own. Um, the way that he'd been raised and his violence and his, you know, trying to something that he had always thought was broken and wrong about him and seeing how it was 
um, kind of written to his story to, to be necessary for what right. he needed to be. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. And then, but to your question about like, should, should the government keep these things secret? Could people handle it? Yes. People would adapt some, I think a lot of people would adapt, but some people would just never be able to, yeah. their brains would break because they, their whole worldview necessitates that right. spiritual things aren't real. Uh, so they would have a really hard time with it. But then I think that it, it's that community support of if just one person sees it and everyone else is like, no, you're crazy. Well, then they're going to say, okay, well, then I'm crazy. Yep. What's funny is the, the way you just worded it, Abby, is a lot of what we're talking about on our show where, where it's like people are starting. It's the idea I said where there's not a lot of atheists anymore. And I don't think mm-hmm. there are going to be atheists anymore because I think that everybody's going to see the thing. And I, I'm trying not to be too spoilery for, for future books. But the idea mm-hmm. that's fleshed out a little bit more, this I don't think this is super spoilery at all, is that if people know they're going to worship and the worship is going to make the, the old ones stronger. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I think this is what we're seeing. We're seeing people are starting to see the, the, the veils being torn. The, the, it's being removed from people's eyes and they're picking sides like the, 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 yeah. the, the spiritual divide that's happening right now. And this is what we talk about a lot is so strong that people are rushing to literally just say, yes, abortion is child sacrifice. And it, and we are doing this as a religious right for Baphomet. That is happening. And Baphomet yeah. is gaining that power. And the bull on Wall Street is being put out where people are like, yes, this is a, this is an altar to ball into money but we're going to do it. Right? right. And on the yeah. flip side of that, you're seeing people who are, again, you can't be in the middle anymore. So you're picking the good. Right. And I think we're seeing where, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago, most people I would say were just really in the middle. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of agnostic. Maybe this, maybe that. If right. I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven, I guess, but I don't want to think about it. And I think everybody's thinking about it. So that's, that's what I think would happen in, in this world is like people yeah. would choose to, to give more power to the old ones or whatever, but people would also choose to fight that. Right. And right. and that's not really the government's choice to make, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I like what you guys said about uh, instead of it just being like one person seeing it, it's like now you have more people who see it and believe it. I think that is one of the cool things about this book. There's such a deep sense of camaraderie of everybody yeah. at MHI. I mean, there's no way you could do this if you were trying to do it by yourself. or And if you were, it'd be... It's already so intensely difficult for them. I can't imagine it's any like, one of them trying to hack it alone. It's like that matrix question. Like once right. you know, can you go back to being ignorant? Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I, I think that's what Owen has to deal with in this book. He's like, now that I know these things exist, could I go back to being an accountant? And he wrestles with that through the whole story. Um, could I be normal because I'm scared of who I am? Right. And then he is ultimately like, I just can't. And I love that line talking about the, we're talking about the asylum. That's my favorite line is when he's like, be a monster hunter. Normal people are boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. It is a good line. I like those, uh, the, that husband wife team. I can't think of their name right now, but the shoot, it starts with an N. Yeah, I can't remember, but I love those two characters. I do too. They're awesome. Uh, it makes me wonder like what lesson could we as like Christians in the church take away from that sense of camaraderie of fighting back against evil, it's it's a good question too because one of the things that is good about these books that you notice is that the the only bad guys really are the monsters and yeah. the demons and things like that like even the feds yeah. right even franks and and even people like jefferson and whoever right? right like at the end of the day they're the good guys because they're fighting the evil 
Right. They, yep, they might have yep. disagreements, right? The feds are the good guys. Uh, <laughs> Stop it, Abby. They're not the good guys. Clipping that for later. Said, you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it is interesting though, right? Yeah. Like where there's a lot of divide where these people have every reason to hate each other, but they're at the end of the day having to recognize that there's a right. bigger and greater enemy out there. They need each other. They've taken it beyond the the infighting at, at times. There's still that. There's still going to be right. disagreements. Still have to fight each other. The feds still right. have to fight the the kind of libertarian. Uh, heroes of the uh, mm. MHI. Right. But at the end of the day, the, the bad guys are the the vampires, the eldritch right. ones, the, the werewolves. I, I like that aspect of it. It makes me wish like the church could figure that out. It's like, okay, if we're going to disagree, we'll disagree, but let's fight the bad guys. Thank you. Yeah. You, did you like disciple? Cause we listened to a lot of the same music. I love disciple that song. Yes. I just know. Yes. The whole point okay. is like, I don't care if you're Presbyterian, if you're Methodist or Catholic, right. like the, the point is that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life Facts. and the enemy is the enemy and it's not us. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Such a good song. Um, I feel like we've talked through, Oh, the only thing we didn't really get to is like the dark past. That's kind of looming around MHI, the 1995 incident. So the, the, Big sacrifice at the end wasn't the only time they've encountered really, really dark evil. Mm. Right. What did you think of the 95 incident, Abby? Do you remember it? I do. I do. <laughs> I remember more the Natchi Bottom like resurgence yeah. of it. Um, but that idea that the evil's just never ending, that like no matter yeah. how many times you kill it, in its temporal form, it's just going to keep resurging is I've seen it in a couple different like sci-fi things. Mm. It's, it's definitely one of those primal fears that I think gets baked into like really good. It hasn't been overdone. Right. It just makes me think of that opening sequence in resident evil four where like, you're just fighting and fighting and fighting until the bell rings. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's you hope the best part. That is the best part. Where'd everybody go? Pingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like you're you're hoping the bell's gonna ring. You're hoping there's an end to it. But there very well could have not been an end to it. I think that's interesting for people of faith too. Is like there is not uh, an end point. You, you're not going to defeat the evil and then go rest and, and retire, right? right? Like it's it's a forever fight. And yeah. I think that that is something that, that all of these people have to face too, is like, We're all waiting man, I just keep killing these things together. and they keep coming back. Right. But I like yeah. you, yeah. you have to choose to fight every day. It's, it's as mm-hmm. Christians, we have to choose to pick up our cross every day. You're not just going like to defeat temptation one day and the next day. Oh, I don't, I'm not tempted by those things anymore. Or mm-hmm. the, the bad guys stopped or we won an election and everything's good and glorious and grand and mm-hmm. we can rest on our laurels. And I like that. It is uh, the idea that the fight is, is never ending is, and they choose to do it anyway. Yeah. I think that's a, a good moral lesson. I, I do. Okay. I, I like that where the fight's yeah. never ending until it, it, it stops and then right. all the bad things come untrue. Yeah. I like that. I like uh, what bookstore Thor says over on rumble. One takeaway from the book is the importance of being a happy warrior. Yes. yes. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's again, why I enjoy these books so much because it is, purely fun. It's about fighting evil, but it's not 
depressing ever. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like even, even the really dark parts where like Owen's like, I, my, people are dying around me. I'm going to be a chew toy for the Eldritch Horrors forever. There's still at the end of the day, that idea of being a happy warrior and they, and they have so much fun at MHI they and do. they're like, the jokes are, are good and the, the action is fun. I don't know. It, to me, it's just like, it, it, it's good when the world is so dark to have a book like this. Yeah. That is not silly and stupid, but also it, it's, it's a lot of like what I think we're, we're trying to do, which is like talk about the dark things, but do it with a smile, do it with, do it as happy warriors. Yeah. I like that. I think that is a good note to end the audio portion on. So we can go and hang out with our friends over on rumble and odyssey, uh, talk some chat, quick uh, note about what's coming up next for our book club. It's not really a single book. It's like all the books. So if you remember yes. the first episode of lit way back when we did red rising and I hope you guys have been keeping up because now Lightbringer is coming out in July. So PJ, Elise and I are going to talk our thoughts and predictions. So that means you'll have need to have read golden sun, morning star, iron gold and dark age. Uh, hope you guys are ready. <laughs> and they're worth it. They're worth they it. Worth it. They are worth it. You can't make Love me. those books. So good. You so should though. So should. And do you uh, want me to read all of those or Monster Hunter? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> yes. Or I, I think I think you'll like the rest of um the Red did Rising you, series. Did you bit. like Red Rising, the first one? Or did you read it? She read I did. It. Oh, okay. Um I had some of the same disconnect problems. It's another action book. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, action is tough. And action with a ton of characters and really thick world b- building is tough. That's fair. And Red Rising is way bigger world building. That is that <laughs> yeah. is the problem. Like, I, I love those. My problem with it was the first book was way too YA. Mm-hmm. And I think it's another one of those. It, it matures with the audience, kind of like Harry Potter. I, I've mm-hmm. not read them, mm-hmm. but I've seen the movies and they, they kind of do that where it's like, when they're eight years old, it's a movie for eight-year-olds. When they're 17, it's a movie for 17-year-olds. Right. And in the Red Rising, it's the same. They're 16 in the first book. They're in their 30s in the by the time that we're Ooh. into it. And it feels uh, like a book for yeah. people in their 30s. Right. So it sure does. <laughs> it's dark. It's really dark. There's dark Age. There's a reason yeah. called Dark Age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm very excited for that one. Uh, it's it's going to be super fun. So hope you guys are super excited about that. What do you guys got going on tomorrow? On consp- did, we, did I upload the no. graphic here? I didn't, did I? So we are having Alan Aguirre on tomorrow. We're going to be talking Ooh. about a literal first-hand experience case, maybe second-hand experience case of uh, possible time travel. As weird as that sounds, um, it's it's a crazy story. It's one that I heard from people who were there uh, mm-hmm. probably when I was 19, so like four, 13, 14 years ago. And I've been wanting to do an episode on this for a long time. So we're bringing on Alan Aguirre to talk about that. We're going to be talking about Revelation. We're going to be talking about Nephilim. We're going to be talking about all of the stuff that we love to talk about with someone who's been deeply into these things since the 80s, uh, who's got a, a lot of knowledge to bring us. So that's what we're doing tomorrow, and uh, we'll be doing a lot of stuff in the next week. We're like on a lot of podcasts over the next week. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. It's kind you guys of a are lot. killing it. I'm hyped. But yeah, we'll we'll put all that stuff on t.me slash Hawkhound Media. Anything if you guys want Hawkhound related news, that's the place to go. So for sure, 
And this week on Quirks of Creations, I'm going to offend literally everybody by talking about seed oils. Yay! Great. Um, so make sure you guys tune in, like, and subscribe to the show. And we'll see you guys over on Rumble and Honesty.